Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 61. The late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia once said, Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ. And have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. The Catholic Church is in much bigger trouble than I thought, at least in this country. In fact, the vast majority of our brothers and sisters are riding an express train to hell, and nobody seems to be doing a damn thing about it. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen prophesied that the laity would save the church in America. I'm looking all around me to see who will take up the fight, and I don't see a soul. So I guess it's up to you and me. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a Holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week. And our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other broadcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Last week, a brand new research poll came out that was conducted by EWTN News and Real Clear Politics. Real Clear was mostly interested in how Catholics are going to vote in this year's election. The results were deeply shocking for me, but it was EWTN's part of the poll that made me immediately begin to beg God's mercy the way Lot did at Gomorrah. Let me begin with a few highlights of the poll, commenting on them as I go. The first EWTN question in the poll really tells us everything we need to know. And I already knew things were bad, but it's much worse than I thought. The question was, which of the following comes closest to your own view? The choices respondents had were, 1. Accept all the church's teachings. 2. Accept most of the church's teachings. 3. Do not accept some of the key teachings. 4. 
Catholicism only has a minor influence in my life. And five, I'm a former Catholic. Only 18% of the respondents said that they accept everything the church teaches. The largest group at 38% said they accept most of the church's teachings. 29% say they reject some key teachings, and 13% say the church is only a minor influence for them. Those numbers are wild. The number for Catholics who accept all the church's teachings should be 100%, but I know that's not realistic. I figured the number would be between 40 and 50%. That only 18% of Catholics believe everything the church teaches just blew me away. If you're a Catholic who understands simple English, and if you believe in God, and if you understand that Jesus established the Catholic Church, it's absolutely impossible not to assent to all the Church's teachings. The only way you can be a Catholic who dissents from any single Church teaching and know that the Church was established by Christ is to have selfish or evil intentions. 19 and 22 percent of our people claim not to believe in hell or the devil, respectfully. Then why the hell are they Catholic? But the results for this question made the next absolutely no surprise. When asked if they thought abortion, euthanasia, and physician-assisted suicide are intrinsically evil, it's overtly obvious Catholics have lost their moral compasses. A majority of Catholics 53% say that abortion isn't evil. 55% of them say that euthanasia isn't evil. The real kicker is what they said about physician-assisted suicide. A full 59% say it's not an evil thing. I had to wonder whether these folks have ever heard of a little thing called the Fifth Commandment. When I read this, my initial reaction was nausea. I literally got sick at my stomach. As I thought more about it, I began to get angry, but it was an anger I've never known before. I got angry when I got shot by a felon while I was an MP in the Army. I got angry when a bail jumper shot me while I was a bounty hunter. I got angry when the federal government threatened to penalize my business because I didn't hire as many minorities as they thought I should. I got angry when a man stole everything my wife and I had five years ago. But I've never been as angry as I am behind this poll because I stopped to identify the root cause behind the answers Catholics gave. Who's to blame for the sad state of affairs this poll reflects? Well, first and foremost, our bishops are to blame. They've become nothing more than greaseball politicians who are only interested in getting our financial support to keep them living the life of Riley. They don't give a damn about the lay faithful or whether we spend eternity in heaven or hell. They don't give a damn about promoting the truths of Catholicism. But they care about illegal aliens. They care about what they label as social justice when it's really social injustice. They care about being liked by their subjects. But they don't give a damn about your salvation, my salvation, and apparently their own salvation. Don't get me wrong, not all bishops are this way. We have a few good bishops in America. 
Four who immediately come to mind are Bishop Tobin of Rhode Island, Bishop Strickland of Texas, Bishop Paprocki of Illinois, and Bishop Olmsted of Arizona, but even they aren't outspoken enough. Bishop Morlino of Wisconsin died 15 months ago, but he was a bishop who actually began to put some jet fuel in his engine and began to do things in a disciplinary way to support church teaching. Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke was a great bishop when he had a diocese, and he's the only American cardinal who daily teaches and preaches the faith around the globe. But the rest of them, even the good ones, are essentially, well, as farmers around here like to say, they're as worthless as tits on a boar hog. Look, we have to be respectful of a bishop whether he deserves it or not, and we certainly have to respect the office of a bishop. But one thing we don't have to do is pretend they've been doing their damn jobs and avoiding holding them accountable. We have to make them do their jobs. Remember how Paul confronted Peter to make him do his job? We have to do the same thing today, and St. Augustine said we not only have a right to do so, but an obligation. Ever since neo-modernists infiltrated chancery offices after Vatican II, the episcopacy in this nation has been in steady decline. They're insane, according to Einstein. They've been doing the exact same thing for the last 50 years, expecting a different result every single year. But what did they get? Exactly what the EWTN poll reflects. Every Catholic child has certain prayers he's supposed to learn and pray every day for his entire life. One of those prayers is called an act of faith. It goes like this. Oh my God, I firmly believe that you are one God in three defined persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that your divine Son became man, died for our sins, and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches because you have revealed them who can neither deceive nor be deceived. Amen. I'd be willing to bet dollars to donuts no more than 3% of you even know that prayer. And at least 90% of you have never heard it before. Why? It's not because you've never paid attention in religion class. It's because you were never taught in the first damn place. But that's not just the fault of the bishops. Every single priest is responsible for the religious education of every single parishioner. Yes, parents are ultimately responsible for the religious education of their children, but how in the world can they teach what they never learned? So again, I say every single priest is responsible for the religious education of every single parishioner. Yet I can't remember the last time I met a priest who actually taught the faith to parishioners himself, except maybe, and I emphasize maybe, in a 5-15 to minute homily on Sunday. How will anyone learn anything in 15 minutes a week? After all, there are 7,680 minutes in a week, and some only devote 15 of them to teaching the lay faithful. So priests are almost as much to blame for the crisis we're facing. A priest's job isn't to chair countless committees. His job isn't to run around promoting social justice. A priest only has four tasks in his job. The first task is to work on becoming a saint. After all, he can't help us become saints if he's not trying to do so himself. 
His second task is to evangelize. Every Catholic has the moral obligation to share the faith, but this is an especially important part of being a priest. The third task of a priest is to administer the sacraments, especially the Holy Eucharist and penance. Jesus established the sacraments for our salvation, and only a priest can administer all but two of them. Finally, the fourth task of a priest is to do everything he can to help the people he's responsible for to become saints. In order for you to become a saint, you have to live the faith. How the hell can you live what you've never been taught? Some listeners might say, hey, Joe, you've got to settle down a bit. You've got to be more charitable. I am being charitable. Truth is charity. Being nice is false charity. Jesus called men liars, hypocrites, and white-painted sepulchers full of dead men's bones. He wasn't nice. He was honest. Talking to people that way, telling them what they need to hear, is real charity. Besides, we're far past the time when we can afford to be nice. When I thought about priests not teaching the faith, I naturally thought about the lady's role in the way things are. I've got some bad news for you. We lay Catholics are every bit as much to blame as priests and bishops. As disgusted as I am with the fact that priests and bishops aren't teaching the faith, I have to say that we lay Catholics are as much to blame. God made the human mind to know truth. That means we have a moral obligation to seek truth, whether on our own or with the assistance of a priest or deacon. When was the last time you actually attempted to learn the fullness of divinely revealed truth, much less your fellow parishioners who care less about our holy and ancient faith than you do? When was the last time you actually made a conscious effort to imbibe a divinely revealed truth, then apply it to your life? When was the last time you shared what you know with your fellow Catholics or a non-Catholic? Look, you folks are six-packers, which means you tower head and shoulders above the average Catholic in terms of knowing and living the faith. Unfortunately, that's not enough. You're not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. We get so wrapped up in our lives that we forget about the reason we're here, the reason God created us, to know, love, and serve Him in this life so we can be happy with Him forever in the next. We have it far too good in America, and we're spoiled rotten, which is why we fail to give God his due. The most dangerous country in the world, according to the United Nations, is Nigeria. The young Catholic wife and mother who designs my book covers lives in Nigeria. Her name is Emmy. On a fairly regular basis, she and her family have to go into hiding to survive. During Advent and Christmas last year, they had to hide because Boko Haram went on a killing spree. That Islamic terrorist group murdered thousands. Yet this young lady and her family embraced God's goodness and believe they're very fortunate to be the targets of Boko Haram. Emmy goes to daily mass, daily adoration, and works with me because she wants to share in the graces God gives for the work he's called me to do. Emmy's never been judgmental, but she can't understand how we American Catholics can fail to do everything we can as Catholics when God has blessed us with so much. Without ever saying or doing a thing, Emmy makes me feel ashamed. I've made a commitment to Almighty God to redouble my efforts. Let me tell you about the things I'm going to be doing. 
First, I'm going to spend an incredible amount of time and money this year trying to get priests to subscribe to the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. I'm willing to die for our faith, something God's already tested me on, so I'm certainly willing to spend every dime I've got to reach other souls. I'll just be depending on God's charity for sustenance. I currently have 16 books in various stages of completion, so my goal is to finish five of them each year for the next three years. If God answers my prayer and sends me a wealthy donor who's willing to help, I'm going to try to give away thousands of my books and put them in the hands of the people who most need them. During 2020, I'm going to develop an assortment of video courses on truths of the faith, Catholic spirituality, Catholic morality, apologetics, Bible studies, and evangelization. I'm going to be selling these courses on the Cantankerous Catholic website, and everyone who pays for a course will be able to access them anytime in the members area. I don't particularly like the idea of selling the Catholic things I know, but there's a good reason for doing it. Right now, I'm currently working on a book and webinar presentation series to reach out to evangelize non-Catholics around the world with an emphasis on atheists. That ought to be a pretty big audience. My plans for implementation of this effort will cost many thousands of dollars on a monthly basis. I'm hoping that there'll be enough Catholics to pay for the courses to sustain the expense of this evangelistic effort. This episode is a call to action for every single Catholic hearing my voice. No one expects any of you to do the things I do. What I do is something God called me to more than 30 years ago. But just because you're not called to do what I do doesn't mean you're excused from doing what you can. There are endless possibilities for you in sharing the faith, and right now it's most important for us to share it with our fellow Catholics. Every single one of you six-packers has much more to share from life than you think. For example, you could start a podcast of your own. There are no limits on the things you can do with a podcast. If you're interested, contact me. I'll help you learn everything you need to know about starting a podcast from concept to launch. All of you are capable of writing for publication, either books or articles or both. You're sitting there thinking you're no writer, but your thinking is wrong. I used to teach writing skills to GED students. I'll tell you the same thing I told them. Writing is nothing more than speaking on paper. If your IQ is high enough to carry on a conversation, you can write. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. Some of you may think you have no creative talents, or you're humble enough that you prefer to devote the talents you do have to others who lead in the fight to advance the cause of Christ. Recently, a couple who listen to this podcast and attend my weekly webinars contacted me to volunteer their time to help Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy mission be fulfilled. I began praying for such things several months ago because I'm a one-man band in this apostolate and needed help. I thank God for this couple every day. This is something you can do, too. I'm not the only game in town. As far as I know, I'm the only one doing the things I do, but there's lots of really good apostolates out there, and I can promise you that every one of them would appreciate your help. 
If you have time you can give, and if you can follow instructions, you can give of your time and talents to a worthy Catholic apostolate anywhere in the world. That's the beauty of the Internet. What do you do if you don't have any time and you're convinced you don't have any talent? Let me answer that by telling you a little story. One day, two men stood outside the parish after Holy Mass and carried on a conversation. One said to the other, Why, Bill, you put on weight. Don't you work anymore? I work about 24 hours a day, replied Bill with all seriousness. Impossible, exclaimed his friend. Not with the system, Bill began to explain. I work 12 hours down at the shop and around the house. Then I support our parish, the diocese, and mission work. That money works even when I'm sleeping. Bill understands the precept of the church that the faithful are obligated to assist with the material needs of the church, each according to his own ability. But this doesn't necessarily mean you have to support the parish and diocese beyond your regular tithe. Every single Catholic has a moral obligation to support their parish financially. Sadly, 10% of Mass-attending Catholics provide 90% of the parish's money. But that's another topic altogether. Because you're a six-packer, I'm going to assume you give your parish 5-10% to of your income every month. A portion of the money you give to your parish ends up in the bishop's budget through a diocesan tax levied on the parish. Then the USCCB gets a chunk from the diocese through a tax it levies. I take for my parish in the form of attending Mass and other things there, so I am happy to give the parish the money God says I am obligated to give. I don't like a dime of it leaving the parish, but that's how the system works, and that's what tithing is. You're morally obligated to tithe. Giving above that is a form of penance. It's a way of making temporal reparation for your forgiven sins. You can find a good apostolate you can help financially on a monthly basis, or you can find several you can help on a rotating basis. And I promise you that every one of them are strapped for funds. When you give of your time, money, or both, you share in the graces given by God to the good work they do. Long ago, I stopped asking God to bless what I'm doing and began asking Him to let me do what He is blessing. That's the prayer you should pray when looking for a good apostolate to help with your time and money. There are only 18% of Catholics who believe everything the Catholic Church teaches. A lady told me the other day, I suppose that makes us the remnant Jesus and countless prophets have told us about. That's a pretty good indicator that the end of the world is near and Jesus' return is imminent. But even if he returns tomorrow, we're obliged to advance his cause every raking minute today. So let me ask you, what do you want Jesus to find you doing when he returns? What did Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's Biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how, in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, 
How the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the National Catholic Register. On April 24, the movie Fatima will open on 1,000 screens in the U.S., It's about the remarkable set of appearances of the Blessed Mother to three young shepherd children in Fatima, Portugal in 1917. This movie was made to cross into the mainstream media, producer Natasha Howe said in an interview. It's beautiful and everyone should go see it. Expect greatness. I endorse this movie 100% because we need Our Lady of Fatima now more than ever. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to LifeSite News. The Vatican prelate tasked with organizing the Global Education Pact to be signed at the Vatican on May 14th has explained the theological vision at the heart of Pope Francis' new humanism in which God withdraws in order to allow for the possibility of human freedom. Oh, brother. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to Yahoo News. Pope Emeritus Benedict rejects opening up the priesthood to married men in a new book co-written with Cardinal Robert Sarah. In an excerpt of the book, Benedict declared, I cannot keep silent. The conjugal state concerns man in his totality, and since the service of the Lord also requires the total gift of man, it does not seem possible to realize the two vocations simultaneously. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to the Washington Examiner. A dozen New Jersey schools will be adopting a gay and transgender-focused curriculum set to be implemented statewide in the fall. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in the show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to YouTube. This video shows what abortion industry insiders are saying about the pro-life movement. You can see this whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. When talking about religion, I find it sad when I hear people say things like, the only thing that matters is that we believe in the same God, or one Christian religion is as good as another, or let's just agree to disagree. Why are these comments saddening? Well, they all demonstrate a scandal of Christianity. That scandal is that there are so many Christian religions to choose from that people have become indifferent to the whole idea of thinking about which church is the right one. 
But we Catholics can honestly and should assertively say Jesus founded one Christian religion, and that religion is the Catholic Church. The ecumenical movement of the 70s did far more damage than good. We squandered a perfect opportunity to gather millions of converts to Jesus' church, but those leaders of the movement were terrified about the idea of offending non-Catholics. In reality, we should have demonstrated to people the things we have in common with their Christian religions, then led them to the reality of the church established by Christ. There are a number of proofs that the Catholic Church was founded by Christ. The first one I always point to is history. St. John Henry Cardinal Newman, arguably the greatest Christian apologist of the 19th century, was a member of the Oxford Movement, a vehemently anti-Catholic organization in England. Fellow members tasked the young Anglican scholar with writing a history of Christianity. On the day his new Christian history was rolling off the printing press, Newman was being received into the Catholic Church. When asked what caused him to turn from his vehement anti-Catholicism so much that he actually became a Catholic, his response was quite simple. He said to know history is to be Catholic. Why? Because history alone proves that the Catholic Church was established by Jesus Christ. By the way, it was also Cardinal Newman who said the greatest tragedy in the Church is an ignorant laity. That's just a little food for thought. That Jesus established the Catholic Church can also be proven from sacred scripture. The establishment of the Church came in the very act where Jesus made St. Peter the first Pope in Matthew sixteen thirteen through 19 It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This passage is incredibly pregnant. Indeed, so much is said in these few words that we can't possibly cover it all here. We will, however, spend a lot of time covering this passage thoroughly in later commentaries. For now, though, let's just deal with the elephant in the middle of the room. Any Catholic Protestants who believe in sola scriptura, that is, the belief that all divine truth comes from the Bible alone, love to bring up the fact that the word Catholic is nowhere in the Bible. That is most certainly true, but it's a paper tiger argument. After all, neither Trinity nor Bible are anywhere in sacred scripture. Yet all of Christianity believe in the Bible and the Trinity. The earliest known use of the word Catholic comes from St. Ignatius of Antioch in the year 107. Writing to other churches, called dioceses today, while on his way to martyrdom, St. Ignatius wrote, Where the bishop is, there let the multitude of believers be. Even as where Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. 
Notice that St. Ignatius didn't write of the Catholic Church as though we were giving it a new name, but rather as though the name had long been in use. It's reasonably safe to assume, then, that the Church was probably called Catholic during the latter part of the first century. Indeed, it's likely that St. John the Apostle knew the Church by the name of Catholic since he died around the year 100. What's the significance of the word Catholic? It comes from the Greek word katholikos, which means universal. The Catholic Church is most certainly universal, that is, for all men of all times and all places. St. Ignatius is the earliest recorded person to call the Church Catholic, but he most certainly isn't the only one to do so. In the martyrdom of Polycarp, it mentions the Catholic Church in three passages. Tertullian uses the word Catholicos in A.D. 200 when he means the Catholic Church. St. Augustine uses the same word in the year 340 as a synonym for the Church 240 times in his writings. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the evidences for the Catholic Church being established by Christ are far too many to cover here. We will, however, cover this topic in its entirety during the next several subsequent commentaries. I hope you join me. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts, and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. On May 13, 1917, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to three shepherd children at a small village in Fatima, Portugal. They were Jacinta, Francesco, and Lucia, ages 7, 9, and 10, respectively. 
While tending their parents' sheep in the wake of a flash of lightning from a clear blue sky, they met a beautiful woman standing on a white cloud that hovered over a small home oak tree. She wore pure white clothing with gold trim. Her hands were piously formed in an attitude of prayer, and a rosary hung from her prayerful hands. With a tinge of sadness but a smile of motherly tenderness, she said, Have no fear. I will do you no harm. I come from heaven. I want you children to come here on the 13th of each month until October. Then I will tell you who I am. You come from heaven? Shall I go there? asked Lucy. Yes, replied the lady, but you must say the rosary and say it properly. About 70 people showed up with the children on June 13. The lady showed up as promised. She recommended the recitation of the rosary to the children. She said, pray, pray much, and make sacrifices for sinners. Many souls go to hell because there are none to make sacrifices and pray for them. When the lady came again on July 13, she urged the recitation of the rosary to end World War I, since she alone could bring it about. The 5,000 people who were present were informed by the children of a great miracle the lady would perform in October, the month of the rosary. On October 13, despite incessant rain, an enormous crowd of more than 70,000 people were there. The beautiful lady appeared in radiant brightness. Lucy asked the question, Who are you and what do you want? The lady replied, I am the Lady of the Rosary, and I have come to warn the faithful to amend their lives and ask pardon for their sins. They must not continue to offend our Lord, who is already so deeply offended. They must say the Rosary. She said she wanted a church built on that spot, and that if the people amended their lives, the war would end soon. Then the miracle took place. The heavy rain ceased, and the sun, resembling an eclipse, emerged from the dark sky, revolved three times within ten minutes, and cast off great shafts of colored light, which fell upon the earth. In 1930, the apparitions were declared by the church to be worthy of belief. There were 215 cures that took place at Fatima during this 13-year interval. Today a basilica stands on the spot and millions of pilgrims come to the shrine every year. Our Lady promised, if my requests are heard, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. Her requests were that we do penance, pray the rosary, have devotion and make consecration to her immaculate heart, and make communion and do reparation to her on the first Saturday of five consecutive months. Do your part in fulfilling these requests. That's it for this episode, Six Packers. Be sure to come back and listen to next week's episode. If you like The Cantankerous Catholic, be sure to write a review wherever you download it so other like-minded Catholics can more easily find it. And be sure to visit my show notes to get links to other things relevant to this episode. As long as you're on the show notes, drop a comment at the bottom to let me know what you think of this episode or to suggest topics for future episodes. If you happen to be on cantankerouscatholic.com for the show notes, download a free copy of The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It, Volume 1, and visit the Joe's Stuff page to get copies of my other books and some really neat coffee mugs.
I think you six-packers are the cream of the Catholic crop, and I really appreciate you listening. Just remember, though, comfort and conviction don't live on the same This block. has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.